Look at your health as an experiment. See what works. Try different things. Some people do really well on three great meals a day. Some people do really well on six smaller meals a day. Some people need to snack or their blood sugar is going to fall off. Some people never snack. They don't need that. Some people love intermittent fasting. It gives them great energy. They feel awesome. Some people can't do it. In fact, intermittent fasting tends to be very different for females with female hormones going on in their system. Same with keto. Keto is something that can affect you differently if you've got female hormones in your body versus males. All sorts of diets and all sorts of different ways of being and living and exercise modalities and therapy. There's so many different things out there. Don't be daunted by it. See it as an experiment. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Hi guys, it's Rach. Welcome to another episode of the show. I've got my my mid-morning espresso and I'm so pumped, I'm not gonna lie. I did try and start this episode like three times because I was trying to hold out into the end to have my caffeine and then I realized, who am I? I'm not a superhero. You're not that cool. Just have a little caffeine, Rach, you need it. It's going to help my brain a little bit. It's going to help me hopefully use complete sentences and have an intelligent conversation with you guys. I'm pretty pumped about today's episode. I will start with a little housekeeping. I'm in my studio. That that sounds fancy. If you can't see me right now, I'm just in this little room off the TV room in my house that I call my studio. And Jeffrey is in here with me. Jeffrey, if you are not familiar, if you're new to the show, is my miniature schnauzer slash animal life companion. And he's here sleeping on a giant pillow. And the reason he's in here with me is because he's on a lot of drugs and I'm keeping an eye on him. If you didn't hear this in a previous episode about, it's probably two months ago now. Yeah, it was in January. Jeffrey was attacked by a group of big dogs. It's an absolute miracle that he's alive. Like, you can't even believe how miraculous. If I showed you pictures, I will not because you would throw up. Um, if I showed you pictures of what he looked like after uh, these dogs attacked him, you, you wouldn't believe. The doctors, everyone is like, I don't know how this dog's alive. He was really hurt and had about a billion stitches put in and now still has quite a few bandages so he's doing so much better, but he does take pain meds in the morning. It's pretty funny to watch a dog trip out. I'm not going to lie. You'll just see him like staring at a light, just high as a kite, wrapped in bandages. He looks like a super high mummy, basically, but he's doing great. But he is in here, and so you might hear him walk around. You might hear him sigh. And you know I care about sound quality for y'all, but I think we can agree Jeffrey is more important than sound quality. So if you hear a little dog in the background, that is why. Today, I'm pretty pumped because we're going to talk about a subject I care about a ton, which is health. Health in your body, health in your spirit, health as it comes to nutrition, the way you feel, the energy you have, all of those things. I really want to do an episode about it. And I, I mean, obviously, I've done so many episodes on this over the years, but what I thought we'd go to today are the kind of really basic 
simple hacks or ideas or concepts that were the first things I learned when I was learning how to take care of my health. I had the idea for this episode because I feel like nowadays there's such incredible conversation when it comes to our health in the podcast space. So you could listen in right now to have someone talk about intermittent fasting. You could hear about epigenetics. You can hear about, you know, how to biohack your system to figure out how to get it to work the best. And it's incredible that we have so much information available to us because that's not something that I had available to me when I started on my health journey 15 years ago. But at the same time, I think sometimes all of this new information is really overwhelming to people who are just starting their journey. They're just starting to figure things out. They really are making a commitment to their health. They want to feel better. They want to look better. They want to have more confidence in themselves. And when they go to look for information about health, they're finding a conversation that's so high above their head and where they're at that it's overwhelming. You want to find out how to hem your genes, and the only information that's available to you is how to design a dress for the Oscars. They're so far apart that you get overwhelmed and you figure, okay, maybe this thing isn't for me. So I just thought if you were a newbie or maybe you need some reminders, that's the conversation that we're going to have today. And it's worth saying that conversations about health can be really triggering. They can be really triggering to every single person out there who has issues put on you by other people. I'm sure that most of us have a memory in our life or an experience in our life where some other person made you feel wrong about your body. Maybe it was a stranger. Maybe it was a person you saw in a magazine. Maybe it was your mom or your sister or your friends at school. Maybe your butt was too big. Your butt was too flat. Your boobs were too big. You didn't have boobs at all. Your hair was stringy. Your hair was too long. Your hair was too this, too that, to whatever. We all have a version of this. In fact, I was driving with my teenage boys this weekend. We were driving by a clothing store and there were mannequins in the window. And the mannequins were inclusive. So they were all different sizes, different heights, different body shapes. It was really cool. And he said, you know, my friend and I were talking about this. That doesn't exist for guys. And I was like, what? What?" And he's like, well, it's so cool like that there are those mannequins and they come in every size, but that doesn't exist for guys. He's like, if we go into the boys section of like the clothing store, all the mannequins are like six-pack abs and perfect bodies and whatever. And we just were saying like, it's kind of crazy how there's nothing like that for guys. And I was like, sort of surprised me to be honest because he's my athlete. He's the most like bro kind of boy that I have. And I never would think that his brain would go there or that maybe he's feeling a certain kind of way about his body. But I was explaining to him I was like, you know, it's so interesting. I was reminded that everybody can be triggered about body image. Everybody can have issues with their body or ideologies put on them by other people because years ago, and I can't remember which RISE conference this was, but years ago when I was doing a RISE conference, which if you're not familiar, it's a women's conference that I used to do over, you know, three days. And I was doing one of my events the very first day. I looked down in the front row and there's a guy. And there's always a handful of guys that come to Rise conferences. Some of them are dragged by their wives. Some of them are really craving the kind of conversation we're having at Rise, you know, they want to unpack their past. Maybe it was because they wanted to work through stuff or, or they had seen something, but there were always guys in the audience, just a few, but there always were dudes. So on the very first day of conference, I look down and I see a guy in the front row and he's sitting next to his girlfriend. And so, you know, if you've ever seen me speak, if there's a dude in my audience, 
they're going to become like the mascot for the weekend. We're going to make jokes at their expense. Like, it's just, come on, you're here. We're going to, it's a whole thing. So I reference him pretty early on. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a guy. This is so incredible. You're in the first row. And it was really cool. He's playing full out the whole weekend. He's jumping up and down. He's dancing with us. He's laughing. He's crying. He's doing the whole thing. And I assume that his girlfriend has brought him to this. And cool, you do you. Second day of conference is always devoted to health. So it's a conversation about body. It's a conversation about emotional health, physical health, mental health, all of the things. It's a full-on day where we just unpack some of our crap surrounding this topic. And there's an activity we do at conference where I have you write a letter to your body. Write a letter to every single part of it, to the parts of it you love, to the parts of it you hate, the parts that you feel shame over. And in this letter, you're giving gratitude for every single thing. You're feeling gratitude for the stretch marks that allowed you to carry your babies inside of you. You're feeling gratitude for the scar that runs along your arm that your body was functioning the way it was supposed to. It took care of you. It healed itself. You're feeling grateful for the legs that carried you through your first half marathon. You're feeling grateful for every part of your body, even if society has told you that your body doesn't look the way it's supposed to. It's a beautiful day. And at the end of that day, it just so happened I was doing a VIP photo session. So if you know, if you're in the first few rows, there's a part of it where you come up, we meet, we hug, we hang out, you take pictures. It's a thing. And in that line is the guy. The guy who you know, has been here for these days and he's playing full out and he hands me a letter. It's a folded up piece of paper. And in that line, lots of people hand me letters or cards. It's things that they want me to know or read or understand. And maybe there's not time in that moment, or maybe they feel embarrassed. And so often people hand me things. This guy hands me a folded up piece of paper and I stick it in my back pocket. And what was cool was I found out when we went to take the picture his girlfriend did not bring him to rise. He brought his girlfriend to rise. He wanted to come. He felt like he needed the conversation. He needed the unpacking. He needed the community. And I thought it was so beautiful. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This makes my heart explode. He was really incredible. I go through VIP. Later, I'm back in the green room and I feel that note in my pocket. And I take it out of my pocket and unwrap it. And it is the letter that he wrote to his body from the exercise earlier in the day. And at first, I didn't understand what I was reading because it sounded like what a woman would write to her body. It sounded like me in my own head. It sounded like my sisters and my friends. It sounded like all the things that we'd ever been told. You're too fat. Your tits are flabby. Your stomach is disgusting. Why can't you be better? Why can't you be more like your sister? I'm reading this letter and I'm thinking, did he hand, literally, I'm like, did he hand me a letter that fell on the floor? Like, I don't understand. And then I keep reading and I realize about halfway through, this was the letter that he wrote to himself. And at the very bottom, he had written in a different color ink, Rachel, I want you to understand that women are not the only people who need this work. I told that story to my boys this weekend when we were talking about whether or not mannequins in their section of the clothing store are inclusive. And I say that to you now because I understand that no matter where you are, there's a chance that this conversation might be triggering for you. But I want to have it anyway. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.
Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I want to have this conversation because I think we as a society are inching ever closer to kind of everything being off limits to discuss. It's so easy to say something that bothers someone, that hurts their feelings, that makes them feel triggered. And we, as a society, I think are becoming more conscious of not wanting to negatively affect other people, I hope, at least some of us. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm realizing that there's more and more conversations that I'm not having because I'm worried that someone will be bothered by the conversation. And body image is one of those in a major, major way. But at the same time, all the information that I have that has helped my life to become better is information that someone else put out in the world or information that I gleaned while sitting around a table having coffee with my girlfriends. I have always learned by other people sharing their stories. And I want for myself and I want for us as a community and I want for you, however you're leading out in the world, to be willing to continue to have conversations that might be a little hinky, right? Like it might be a little tough. I think that the way through is just that we acknowledge that body image for a lot of us is something that has been used to hurt us. It's been used to control us. It's been used to oppress us. And I'm only speaking through the lens that I know, which means there are so many different perspectives that I can't even take into my brain as I'm having this conversation with you because I don't know what it's like to be a trans woman. I don't know what it's like to grow up with out one of my limbs. I don't know what it's like to have a physical disability. I don't know what it's like to be you. But I'm going to lead out on this conversation from my perspective, just some simple things. Like none of these are life-changing, groundbreaking. No one's writing a book about this stuff, but it's still so simple and it did really help me because my brain didn't have that information yet. And I hope that this encourages you to have your version of this conversation. It doesn't have to be about health, but it can be about something that you know will be helpful to others with some ideas and advice that you have. Health is foundational in my life. It really is. Moving my body every single day, drinking water, taking supplements, eating foods that I hope will bless my body, all of those things were acquired knowledge over time. And they can be one of the most life-changing things in the whole world if you know about it and it exists and you make it foundational in your life. If you feel like having a conversation about body and nutrition and health and whatever, if you feel like that's going to trigger you today, girl, turn this off and go listen to something else on Spotify. Listen to Beyonce is always my recommendation. Go listen to Macklemore's new album. Go do something fun that's going to lift your spirit. You do not have to take part in anything that is hurtful to you. But if you're on a health journey or you're starting out or you want to make some changes, I just want to dispel the myth that you have to change every single thing in your life. You have to go ham. You have to, you know, you become a different. Yeah, that's amazing. If you could flip a switch today and all of a sudden you have the endurance of a marathon runner and the nutritional ideology of the world's greatest nutritionist and 
you know, you got the skincare of Gwyneth Paltrow and you've got the therapy sessions going strong. If you've got all of that stuff, that's amazing. I also wish I could flip that switch. But just in case you can't, just in case you're more like normal, everyday person just looking for some ideas, I got you. Seven ideas. Here we go. Number one, I want to start with measure of health, okay? Measure of health. How do we as human beings measure what is healthy for us? What is our version of health? We are taught from a very early age, at least here in the US, we are taught that the measure of health is what our body looks like, period. What our body looks like. I vehemently disagree that how you look is a total measure of your health. In fact, I would say it's a very small percentage of your health. I am gonna include it in a little way. Hold on for a second and I'll get there. But our society says that this is the end all be all, that this is the answer that however you look, like if you are emaciated and thin and a size zero, you're freaking killing it. And it's such bullshit and it's so hurtful and it has been used to screw so many of us over and it's just not real. It's just not real. The example that I always think of for this is how many people in the fitness industry I meet, like through my work or maybe we'd be speaking at a conference or I'd run into them somewhere and they're like these leaders in the health industry and their bodies are slamming. In an Instagram photo, in a video, in a workout thing, they are high, they are tight, they are, you know, carved out of stone, they look amazing. And then I meet them in person and their skin is dull. Their eyes are, there's no sort of life behind their eyes. There's no energy there. There's no essence there. If you do their hair and put lots of makeup on them, man, they look vital and they can do whatever they need to do in a photo. But when you meet them in real life, when you see them without the filter, something's off. I love reading about and learning about all the studies in health and the different things, but I cannot tell you how many people I've met who are the kings and queens of intermittent fasting and I'm like, you look like Skeletor. You don't look healthy. Yeah, you're super thin and maybe your longevity is amazing and maybe you can work for 60 hours a day because you're doing this thing, but like you don't look healthy. I actually think it's, for me, I feel like it's more rare now to see someone in the health space that I'm like, oh yeah, you look vital. You look energized. You look like what I think my ideal is. Looks do matter when it comes to our health or whether or not someone else is healthy. But when I say looks, I more mean that you can sort of see vibrance. You can see it in someone's skin. You can see it in their hair. You can see it in their eyes. And you can also see when it's not the case. So I think that is the only time that how you look is a factor in your overall health is the vibrancy that's either there or not. Society will tell you that if you're super thin, that that's the definition and it's not. So I want to start with what's the measure. Straight up, 100%, 1 million percent, I'll go to my death with this belief, your health, whether or not you are healthy, is how you feel, period, full stop. How you feel, do you have the energy that you need to live the life you want to live? Are you sleeping? And not just like occasionally, but do you get great sleep? Are you breathing okay? How's your anxiety? How are your emotions? Are things in control? Do you feel good? Not just do you feel good sort of in your body, do you feel good about your body? Do you look at your body and you're like, okay, all right, bitch, yes. Because like, I'm sitting here with you guys. If you can't see this, if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm sitting here wearing tight clothes and like there is no world ever, ever, ever 10 years ago where I would have sat here this whole time with 
they're not even, but like these little like rolls visible in a video. I would have like done the thing to judge the thing so like you can't see. I fucking love my body. I love my body. And I don't love my body because my body changed. I love my body because I have for the last several years worked so hard to get to a place where I look in the mirror and no matter what is going on, I'm like, oh, you're so cute. You're so beautiful. Look at that little belly. Look at that. Look at that. Okay. There's that butt. What's it doing? All right. Okay. There's a, that. That's some dry skin. Okay. We got some dry skin. Good for you. Good for you with the dry skin. I don't know. It doesn't matter what it is. I've worked so hard to get to a place where I'm loving every part of myself because I realized that there was no way. I just want to get hippie with you for one quick second. If we're talking about what we manifest in our lives, if we're talking about manifesting abundance, if we're talking about living a life where you are in a state of blessing, where you believe that life is good, I am safe, God's got me, the universe has my back, everything's going to be, all of those things, that has to play into the way you feel about yourself. One of the greatest relationships that people have with their self really starts with how we feel about our body. And it plays into every single scenario. It plays into your confidence at work. It plays into your ability to make and achieve a goal. It plays into your relationship. It plays into your sex life. It plays into how many orgasms you're having because you're feeling great about who you are and how you're showing up in the world. Period, period, period. It is so essential that you feel good in every single level, and that is the measure of your health. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. 
It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. Some of the things that I look at for me personally, some of these might not work for you, but again, my perspective, I'm paying attention to If I want to know, like, am I being healthy? Is everything good? Is everything going the way it should? Number one, I'm paying attention to my skin. This is another moment where your looks absolutely are a factor. So my skin, if I am off nutritionally, if I'm stressed out, if I'm not drinking enough water, if I'm not getting enough sleep, the first place it's going to show up is on my skin. And you know, I look in the mirror every single day. So it's really easy for me to see. I have rosacea. And so that's like such an easy thing for me to acknowledge. If my rosacea is really strong, my cheeks are really red, I start to see it in my forehead. If that's really going off, to me, that's one of the biggest signs that I'm not taking care of myself. And I don't feel shame about it when I notice it. I'm just like, oh, okay, you probably have been having more gluten than you need. You've probably been eating some dairy. There are certain things that don't make my body feel fantastic. And when I'm incorporating too much of those into my life, it'll show up in my skin. So what's my skin look like? Uh, How is your digestion? Straight up, are you pooping? That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking myself. Am I pooping? Is everything going? Is the food flowing through my system in the way it should? Do I need more fiber? Do I need more greens? Um, How do your clothes fit? I can't even think of the last time I weighed myself. I have no idea what I weigh, but I obviously don't want to be buying new jeans. So I'm basically just like, okay, are my jeans fitting the way that they should? Or is it like really hard to button these right now? Or is like, is something going on? Am I losing muscle tone? This has definitely happened to me when I have stopped strength training. Clothes will fit differently because I I can tell that I'm losing muscle tone. And strength is really important to me. I want to have overall body strength. So I'm just paying attention to things like that, that are simple awareness that you can have about your body. It's worth mentioning this, especially if you're new to your health journey, because Many people go through life and are completely disconnected from their bodies. They're not like in their body. And they're not in their body for a lot of reasons, mostly because we've been taught to be at war with our body. We think if I could just, if I just hate this body enough, if I just judge this body enough, if I'm mean enough to myself in my head, that will motivate me to run. That will motivate me to go to the gym. That will motivate me to eat this salad. It's absolute bullshit. It's never going to work. It might work for a little while, but it's never going to work in a sustained fashion because health is 360 degrees. You can't get really in shape in your body, but be really fucked up in your mind and call yourself healthy. It's got to be every single part of you. So if it's got to be every single part of you, then you can't abuse yourself emotionally to get yourself to do something physically or nutritionally and call yourself healthy. Because remember, it's about how you feel. All of us know somebody who had the most perfect body on the planet, but had body dysmorphia. And we're always looking in the mirror going like, oh, I'm so fat. I'm so this. I'm so that. Something's wrong. This. We all know that person. That's not healthy. It might look really pretty in an Instagram post to the world, but it's BS. And you can keep buying into the mythology that the world tells you, or you can stick a flag in the ground and say, never again. Like, hey, I might accidentally slip into this mindset, but this is not the person I want to be. The person I want to be loves themselves. And the thing is, you got to love your body today as it is. Or you're never going to get to the place where you love it enough to care for it. Every single part of me, like, I love it all. Here we go. I love it all. 
And every once in a while, like I'll be really on it with my workout regimen. I'll be really on it. I'll have time to get to yoga classes. I'll have time to get my long runs and I'll just be like doing all the things. And I can see it in my body. I'll be like, okay, bitch, what's up? Yes. Love this for you. But I also got four kids and I have a job and I have all these things. So there's definitely seasons where that falls off a bit. And I still look in the mirror and I'm like, okay, bitch, every part of yourself you have to love. And y'all, this is a practice. Nobody taught me this growing up. No partner gave me this. This is not something I read in a book. It is a decision that I made. And I just worked at it. I worked at looking in the mirror and finding, okay, that that's really pretty. Your eyes are really pretty. Oh, like my hair looks pretty today. I like my eyebrows. Like I just started with little things and I worked on it and I worked on it. And every time I found myself comparing, every time I found myself looking at another woman and comparing myself to her, I was like, nope, we don't do that. This is what we got and we're going to love what we got. So the measure of health, I know that was a very long tangent, but I would love it if you could find something you measure yourself with to just have a simple readjustment, a simple readjustment. I think every single person that I know anyway has an area in their body that will get inflamed or that will get bloated when we're not eating the way that we should, when we're not taking care of ourselves the way that we should. Mine is my stomach. It is the first thing I'll notice like, oh, I look like I'm four months pregnant right now because whenever I'm not taking care of myself the way that I need to, it's the first place I notice it. My boyfriend, um, his is like in his like lower back. I hope he's okay with me saying this. He has a beautiful body. But if like over the Christmas break and we're having beers and we're having a good time and cocktails and eating whatever, he'll see it show up like in his lower back. My instinct is that you have your version of this. And if you could come to look at this as like, oh, this is, you know, oh, my jeans are a little tight or oh, my my skin's not looking good or oh, my digestion's off. What's one thing in your life that you can use not from a place of shame? But just from an awareness that you can remind yourself to like gently move back in the direction that you know is better for you. Shame is never, ever, ever going to make you feel better. It's not going to make you better. It's not going to get you better. It's not going to solve anything. Your mama's voice in the back of your mind telling you all the ways that you don't measure up. Why can't you be stronger? Why can't you be more like your sister? Why can't you do this? It's not ever going to serve you. Shame will only make it worse, will only make you feel worse, will rob you of momentum, will steal all of your joy. Stop being so hard on yourself. Use these awarenesses to just, like I said, gently move back in the direction. Just, oh, we're a little off course. Let's gently move back in this way. Stop weighing yourself. Stop looking at other people and start coming in, back in to your body, living through the fullness of your body to see what you can do to make yourself feel better. I had a sort of an episode of PTSD last night. And I think honestly, just to be real, I don't feel like I'm being very eloquent in this episode. I feel like I'm a little bit jumping all over the place, but this is where my brain is right now. So I'm just going to be honest, but it's a really good example of this idea of like embodying yourself. Our family has gone through a lot lately and There are a lot of things about what has happened to us recently that have triggered some PTSD I have from when I was younger. And last night I went to sleep and I was probably just at the start of a REM cycle or something, but I was pretty deeply asleep, but only for a few minutes. And my son knocked on the door. He was already in bed. I thought he was asleep. And so from a very deep sleep, all of a sudden someone's knocking on my door and it scared the hell out of me. And that's not a normal reaction, 
but I have PTSD around being woken up in the middle of the night and he needed something and it wasn't that big a deal. But I mean, even talking about it's like making it come back into my chest, it pushed such intense fear through every part of my body that I could not fall back asleep. And when this is happening, God, I've been, my PTSD has been here since I was 14. So I know how to deal with it. I've done a lot of therapy. I know the things. And so I was sort of just for over an hour, just kind of taking myself mentally through all of the tools that I have to try and calm myself back down. It wasn't an anxiety attack. It feels like something very different. Um, But I knew that a part of me had been triggered and I was trying to like talk, be my own therapist and talk myself through. And how I would describe it is that like, if some part of you is triggered, a younger version of yourself is showing up. If you know IFS therapy, if a part of you is sort of taking over your body, how I would describe it is like, I feel like my energy sort of gets very small and kind of localizes to a part of me. And the part that was going crazy last night was my chest. My chest was so tight and so filled with fear and there was nothing happening, but just because nothing's happening doesn't mean you can make the feeling go away. And so I was doing this work with myself and every once in a while I would latch onto a thought that would kind of, for lack of a better word, it would make me come back into the fullness of my body. It was like this little part of me is running the show and then I would sort of do some work with myself and I could come back into my conscious self, Rachel at 40 years old, not Rachel at 14. But it makes me wonder how many of us are going through life as like a small part of themselves, not someone who's fully embodying who they are. And to be honest, if you've never felt like the fullness of yourself, if you've never felt your consciousness kind of stretch all the way to the edges of your fingertips and your toes and even sort of permeate outside your body and you're interested in that, like that's a really, oh, it's a life-changing thing to be able to tap into that space. I found that through yoga. I found that through meditation. I found that through prayer. But it is an intention you have to set of like, is my being some small little version of me that's showing up right now? Some version of me, it's me at 10 years old. It's me at six years old. It's me at 16. Is that who's running the show? Or am I showing up as my current self? Yeah, it's worth asking the question. I love that I really thought this was going to be like a very light seven tips. I I literally told my boyfriend, I'm like, it's great because I'm just going to do these are tips. They're really light. And here I am talking about consciousness and PTSD. (laughs) It's real talk. Okay. My first piece of advice is to have a measure of health to you because it's just too easy to get distracted by life and forget the intention that you set about feeling really good. So having something, skin, body, clothes fitting, whatever. Uh, Did I laugh 10 times today? Whatever it is, have something that's not what the world tells you should be your measure, but what you personally believe your measure should be. Okay, now I'm going to give, I'm just going to go here because I just need a simple light thing after we've talked about all the stuff. Really simple and not something that I knew until I was in my late 20s. And it makes a huge difference. Don't drink your calories. Now, calories is something that triggers people. Drink is something that triggers. Yes, I know. I know. We've already discussed all of that at the top of this episode. But I did not know this piece, and so it's worth talking about it with you. Now, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, and there were all these conversations about diets and calories in versus calories. I don't know anything about calories. I I have nothing to share. I have nothing to sell you. I have no book to tell you to read. I don't – nothing. I'm just using that terminology because I think it's something that we can all sort of understand. You understand, I hope that there is a difference between going to Starbucks and getting a Frappuccino and going to Starbucks and getting an iced Americano. There's a difference between those two drinks. 
Most of us get that, but lots of people don't, which is why I want to share this. It's so simple. It seems so obvious, but because it's so obvious, I don't think that we talk about it enough. There's this old thing that says like, don't drink your calories. And I think when that when that tagline came out, I think it was talking about alcohol. It was like, you're going to go to the gym, you're going to do all this stuff, then you're going to go out with your girlfriends and have a Cosmo and take in 600 calories every single time you have one of these drinks. I'm making it up. I don't know how much a Cosmo is. And, un- and not understand why you're not seeing the kind of results that you want to see. Or you're going to go out with the boys and you're going to have beers and then you're like, man, why, do- why are my clothes not fitting the way that they should? I think originally the tagline for don't drink your calories came from that. But for me, I really made this flip. It was one of the first sort of awarenesses I had in my mid-20s when I was trying to finally get a handle on my health. And I probably should have said this at the beginning, but when I first started to try and understand health and fitness and wanting to feel better, I was in my mid-20s and I was 52 pounds heavier than I am today. Now, going back to this concept of thin. I don't care about the pounds. I don't care about how much you weigh. I don't. It doesn't matter. But I am giving you that frame of reference because I'm 5'2". And if you have 52 additional pounds on a frame that's 5'2", that makes you feel like shit. My back hurt all the time. My legs hurt all the time. I was totally out of shape. I ate garbage. I lived off of fast food. I lived off of high calorie, like all the things, anything that made me feel better emotionally, I went to all the time. And one of the first major things that changed for me was the awareness of if you're going to indulge, if you're going to have a good time, let's make it worth it. So the line is don't drink your calories. But I actually think it should be don't accidentally sabotage yourself. Don't be so unaware of what you're consuming that you don't realize the damage it's doing. I see this all the time. I see this with people drinking soda, people drinking juices, people having frappuccinos, people adding sauces and sides and different things that they actually don't even care. Like they they don't want that, but they're taking it in because they're not being conscious in that moment. And it's sabotaging them. And then they're getting to that place, which I have been and so many of us have been where you're like, wait, I am trying so hard and nothing's working. And then you give up because you're like, oh, there must just be something wrong with me. Like, I can't do this. There must be something. No, there's not something wrong with you. It's like you're not looking at the full picture. You're not seeing everything that there is. So I remember one of the first changes, and you don't have to do this. But one of the first changes I made was I stopped putting cream in my coffee. So in my mid-20s, every day I'm having two, three cups of coffee, and every single cup of coffee, I would put creamer in and sugar. And then I was just conscious of that, like, oh, I kind of don't care that much. So this is just one less thing. This is one less indulgence that I don't really need. It's not really helping me because it was like garbage. It was like coffee made. It was something terrible. So I was like, let me just put a little less creamer. And then I would have a little less creamer. And every week I sort of dialed it back to the place that I just didn't put creamer in my coffee anymore. And then eventually I did the same thing with the sugar. Like I just less and less and less. And now I drink coffee black. And there's all sorts of jokes about people not, if you don't want to drink your coffee black, you don't have to. If you love coffee with cream and sugar, live your life. But be conscious of choosing those indulgences that you really care about. I love bread. I love sourdough bread. I love wheat bread. I love I'm not going to do a whole rundown for you. I love bread. Love pasta. Love all of that. It does not love me back. My best if I was like only focusing on just optimum health, best, most all of that, I would never have gluten again. That's the truth. But I love me some gluten. I don't have it unless I want it. (laughs) That sounds so weird and so simple, but do you know what I mean? Like sometimes we 
we'll eat something, we'll take something in, and we weren't, we didn't even want that cookie. It was just there. We didn't really need that second coffee. It was just there. We didn't want more wine. The waiter just filled our glass. We we weren't really going to choose that thing, but it just sort of happened. That happens a lot to each and every single one of us unless we are conscious as we consume things. So for me, I don't eat it unless I want it. And if I want it, I eat it. It sounds simple. It sounds too simple, but that really is. I've talked a ton about the book Intuitive Eating. I freaking love it. I highly recommend it. But that is what I learned from that process, that book, and sort of understanding this idea that if you want to eat something, you should because there's no such thing as a bad food. And once you take away stigmas around food and once you take away like bad versus good when it comes to food, you eat what you want. You stop eating when you're full. You completely change your relationship with food. And it's very easy to make sure that you're eating things and taking things into your body that are going to feel good because it's exactly what you want in that moment and not going to sabotage you so that later you're like, oh, why did I do that? So what I wrote down on this, don't drink your calories, sugar, milk, alcohol, mixers, juice, different things that maybe you don't actually care about, but you're taking in without thought. It's the simple things. It's like, oh, I always have this salad and they always put cheese on it, but I kind of don't care either way. So I'm just going to remove this. Or maybe it's, I'm going to do meatless Mondays and I'm going to practice a vegetarian diet to prove to my body that I can. And also just to be conscious of, I don't need meat at every single meal. It's going to be different for different people for you. But I think overall, that was a huge adjustment for me. And it made a really swift difference. I think you'd be surprised if you've never done this before. I think you'd be surprised how when you can identify things that are negatively affecting your body, your spirit, your energy, any of it, and you cut even one of them out and you can cut it out for a week, for two weeks, you'll be surprised at how fast you see a difference in the way you feel and the way you look and the way your clothes are fitting, all of it. My third piece of advice is to try an elimination diet. I hate the word diet. It's very triggering for a lot of people. When I say diet in this instance, it is in the traditional sense, but sort of more from a medical, how does my body function best concept. An elimination diet, and you can read a ton about it online. I'm sure there's all sorts of books and YouTube videos that you can watch. But an elimination diet is basically, it can be two things. I have a friend who was having a really severe reaction but didn't know what she was reacting to. And I feel like she tried maybe allergy tests, but she just sort of wasn't finding the answers. So she went back to a very basic like chicken and rice and broccoli. Like she started there. So she eliminated everything else in her diet except chicken and rice and broccoli, for instance. And then she would slowly add things back in one at a time and kind of sit with them for a few days and see, okay, how do apples make me feel? How do mangoes make me feel? How does dairy make me feel? Until she was able to identify the things that were really throwing off and triggering her body. So that's a more extreme version of an elimination diet. Another thing you can do is just to cut out one category of food. If you guys have ever hung out with me during last 90 days, if you've come to Rise Conference, I'm sure you've heard this advice before, but to cut out one category of food that you know isn't great for you or that you suspect may be throwing you off. So for me, I know that dairy is not my best friend. Dairy does not love my body. My body does not love dairy, but my taste buds do. So I know that if I have cheese, I know if I have queso, I know if I have sour cream, any of that stuff, it's going to inflame my body. I'm going to feel it in my muscles. I'm going to see it in my skin. I'm going to see it in my stomach. I'm going to get bloated but I love dairy, so I'm fine with that. But it's conscious, right? If I'm choosing something, it's because I want it, but I'm not just going to let it be in a salad that I don't really care about. I'm not willing to do that to my body if I don't care. So I figured that out through elimination. Like I went for the longest time and I didn't eat dairy. And then I was like, oh, that's what it was. I've cut out gluten completely, which is why I know 
everything feels better if I take no gluten into my system. I've tried this with meat. I've tried this with fish. I've tried this with different nuts, different seeds, different things that I was like, oh, wait, I'm having some kind of reaction, but I don't know what. I will do an elimination diet to see. Anytime I add a supplement to my supplement stack, if I take my supplements in the morning, let's say, and I want to add a new stack. In fact, tonight I'm actually doing this. I want to add something to help my adrenals right now. I feel like everything that we've gone through and all the stress of the last month has really fried my adrenals. And that's something that I have worked with a lot over the years. I feel like that's why I'm having this PTSD episode last night because I'm sort of being triggered in a certain way. So it made me realize, oh, I need to give some extra love to my adrenal glands. So I'm going to take a supplement tonight that's filled with great adaptogens, you know, holy basil, ashwagandha, cordyceps, all of that stuff to help support my system. But because it's a a multi, it's it's not individual pills. I'm going to take that pill at a completely different time than anything else. And I'll do that for about a week to see, okay, how do I feel after I take this thing? It's the same with food. The idea of an elimination diet is so that you can understand which things are negatively affecting your body. And if you didn't grow up with people who were conscious of nutrition, this is maybe a concept that's totally foreign to you, but it can really help, especially when it comes to energy, to pay attention to man, when I eat this food, I go into an energy slump, right? Like, ooh, I made my blood sugar skyrocket and then it crashed and now I need caffeine to get through this moment. An elimination diet is really helpful to help you figure out what's going on, what works and what doesn't. My fourth little idea that really helped me in the beginning and still helps me today is just to add greens to everything. Add greens. I believe when we are going on any kind of journey in our life, health or otherwise, it is always easier to add things than to subtract. Usually when we want to make change, the encouragement is like, cut out this, cut out that, remove this thing, remove. And when it comes to nutrition, that can trigger you in such a way that you end up binging and then you shame spiral and then you binge again and you were trying to do something for your health, but it ended up just making you feel worse. If that is you, if that's something that you know you are prone to, I highly suggest just as a way to, hey, look at me, I'm taking care of myself, like I'm doing a good job, just add greens. I literally mean get a thing at the grocery store that's like pre-mixed greens triple wash so you don't have to wash anything, make it as easy as you can on yourself and just grab a handful of greens and add it to it, add it to your morning smoothie, add it to your eggs, add it to your sandwich at lunchtime, add it to your burrito, add it to dinner, just add greens to your diet. It's going to be great fiber. You're eating foods with their living water still inside of it. It's just good for you. And it's very easy to do And it just becomes this habit that you're adding greens. We try, Boo and I try, to have greens at every meal. That's our intention, is that there's just always greens in everything we do. We do it with the kids. It's just the way that we live. And it doesn't require thought process anymore. It just is. He really likes, not an ad, even though they're an ad of every podcast ever. He really likes athletic greens. Like he'll add a scoop of athletic greens to a smoothie or do different things. I like actual greens, but it's such an easy thing. You guys, it's literally the easiest thing that I've told you in this entire episode is just to add greens to your food. Uh, another easy one. Let's stick with an easy one. Water, 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 water. Y'all, if you've been hanging out with me for a while, this is your reminder, or you know, it's true. Water. Drink half your body weight in water every single day. We drink so much water around here. It's always with us. It's always around us. We are always chugging. Why? Water helps with your digestion. Water helps your skin. Water helps flush toxins out of your body. Water helps with feeling satiated. Water helps your muscles in a workout, helps you move, keeps you from getting dehydrated. You can get it out of your faucet. Like It is so easy 
to add water to your life. And I can't believe how many people just don't drink water. Like people say, oh, Rach, I know you say like, I need to be drinking water, blah, blah, blah. It's shocking. It is shocking to me. My One of my besties, I will call her out, Rosie. I'm calling her out right now. Rosie is terrible at drinking water. She is. I've never met anybody like her where she'll like, she's so much better than she used to be. But she just doesn't like it. And I get that. Like people are like, I don't like it. It doesn't taste good. It's boring. I get it. Here, I mean, it's like, I always say this. This is why people can't get through a full bottle of water all day is that they fill up a bottle of water and they take sips. And then they come back two hours later and they take another sip and they wonder why they're not getting any water into their system. Here's my pro tip. Every time you go to take a drink of water, chug it like you are at a frat party in college and you're trying to impress someone with how fast you can drink a beer. Chug your water. I try and do five pools of water, like five big chugs every single time. And that's how I get through huge bottles of water all day. It's so simple. But again, if we're going back to this concept of how do you feel, that one's going to make you feel so much better. This is kind of along the lines of an elimination diet. I probably should have done these two together, but experiment. Look at your health as an experiment. See what works. Try different things. Some people do really well on three great meals a day. Some people do really well on six smaller meals a day. Some people need to snack or their blood sugar is going to fall off. Some people never snack. They don't need that. Some people love intermittent fasting. It gives them great energy. They feel awesome. Some people can't do it. In fact, intermittent fasting tends to be very different for females with female hormones going on in their system. Same with keto. Keto is something that can affect you differently if you've got female hormones in your body versus males. All sorts of diets and all sorts of different ways of being and living and exercise modalities and therapy. There's so many different things out there. Don't be daunted by it. See it as an experiment. I'm going to try this for a month and see how it makes me feel. I'm going to try doing five push-ups a day for a month and see how it makes me feel. I'm going to try cutting out dairy for a month and see how it makes me feel. I'm going to try six small meals a day for a month and see. Like what I've learned actually over time, this is probably getting a little too high level, but the way that I eat tends to change based on what week I'm in my hormone cycle. So based on which week I'm in in my cycle, I have different hunger levels. It takes different things to satiate me. And it's through this relationship with my body and being in my body and feeling what my body needs and honoring my hunger and honoring what I need in each individual week that I've seen the greatest evenness in my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health. You know, my body's not going up and down. It's just staying in this like strong, I feel good. All of that stuff is because I have changed and adapted my nutrition and my workouts to where I am in my cycle. But that wouldn't have been possible if I didn't experiment. So I used to love intermittent fasting. And then I realized, oh, I love intermittent fasting, but I can really only do it in these weeks of my cycle. Because if I do intermittent fasting while I'm on my period, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I actually need to eat very early in the morning if I'm on my period versus intermittent fasting the week following my period. I'm not that hungry. I eat much lighter meals. I don't need as much. But I wouldn't have known that if I didn't experiment. So I really encourage you guys to experiment and see what works for you. The last thing that I'm going to say is to limit caffeine. I know I talk about coffee a lot. Coffee is my co-pilot. I love it so much. But I'm also very conscious of how much I take into my system. And I can feel, especially my morning coffee, I can feel... There's a very specific amount I can feel before I start to get a little jittery. And if you are someone who struggles with anxiety, then you have to remember that 
you feel that anxiousness in your nervous system. Your nervous system doesn't know the difference between you having an anxiety attack and you just having too much espresso. It feels very similar in your body, right? Like you feel the sort of tingling. Maybe you're feeling a sensation in your stomach, your hands. Like you start to feel like you need to move. It almost triggers a fight or flight response if you have too much caffeine. It sounds silly, but it really matters. Pay attention to what you eat, drink, people you interact with, and how that makes you feel. And caffeine is one of those things. I know I talk about it a lot and I do, you know, a lot of times I'm doing a podcast episode and I'm having, you know, my espresso and I'm all pumped. But you have to understand that I ration my caffeine intake. I only have a little bit in the morning. I have this mid-morning shot of espresso and I look forward to it. I just drink it black. But if I got excited or wanted to meet a friend later, wanted to meet up and they were like, oh, let's have coffee. If I had another one, I'm, I'm SOL. I'm not sleeping tonight. I'm probably going to trigger some anxiety feelings in my body. So just learning to be conscious of that has really helped me. Those are my ideas. I'll be honest, I definitely thought this was going to be a much simpler 35-minute episode on tips. And I appreciate if you're still hanging out, I appreciate that your willingness to sit with me in a conversation where my brain is a little bit not operating at its normal level. But we got to show up. This is what life is. This is what health is. This is what taking care of yourself looks like is that you show up and you keep going. You got to go to work. You got to do what you need to do. And I still think it was a good conversation, even if I did go off on some tangents. I hope that you heard something today that was helpful for you. If you dug this episode, I would so appreciate if you are watching on YouTube, if you would like the video, if you would subscribe to the channel, if you feel like it's helpful and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Send it to a friend. Just be part of the community. Let's get the word out and do your own version of this. Like put out something in the world that you feel like, hey, this is a piece that's really helped me and helped with my health and the way that I'm showing up in the world. So I will be back soon with more conversation, hopefully more conversation that's just like slightly more eloquent than today's was. But until then, I want you to remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. It's your time. Join global thought leader, executive producer, and New York Times bestselling author T.D. Jakes and today's leading culture shifters for an experience unlike any other. At the 2024 International Leadership Summit, spiritual and business leaders can gain the practical tools they need to maximize their timing for success. With world-class discussions, breakout sessions, and networking opportunities, this is where your dreams turn into reality. Timing is everything, and your time is now. March 21st through 23rd in Dallas, Texas, Register today at thisisils.org. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.